Proverbs. We're continuing in our study of the book of Proverbs. We're in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10 through uh, 19. And we're looking at this paragraph here in the middle of the chapter. It's interesting that the speech is in Proverbs, and they're, they're basically, especially the first nine chapters, are speeches from a father to his children. And, and it's easy to see the headings and the breaks. If you look at Proverbs chapter 4, Hear, O sons of father, instruction in verse 1. Verse 10, Hear my son and accept my words. And then in verse 20, he says, My son, be attentive to my words. It's, it's the same introduction, right? And so every time we see one of these, we realize that the subject matter is moving to a new level. In the first paragraph, we're faced with the idea that the insight and instruction and the precepts and the teaching of the Father move from, from a very basic understanding to a love to a living out of these commandments. In verses 10 through 19, we're here seeing that we must choose the way of life. The son is being told that he must choose the way of life. And so let's read this passage together. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made some, someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of, righteous, of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Darkness and light. That's from the very beginning of the Bible, right? Genesis chapter 1 tells us that over the face of the deep, the Spirit of God hovered. The energy of God in the Spirit hovered over the face of the dark deep. There was no light in this uncreated world. And from that point until today, darkness has always been a source of fear, hasn't it? I mean, really, think about it. All of your worst fears, all of your worst fears, in some way, or I should say most of your worst fears, because I have fears like, you know, uh, I don't know, forgetting to zip my pants before I preach. That, that, that's a fear. That has nothing to do with darkness, okay? Uh, and, 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 and that's obsessing, I know, but, you know, I become obsessive. Dave knows exactly what I'm saying. People say, why do you like pulpits? Because if I forget one day, I'll have a pulpit in front of me. Um, and I'm not for plexiglass. And so th that, that fear has nothing to do with dark. But if a lot of our fears deal with darkness, right? I mean, you think about it. From childhood, children. The boogeyman's always worse at night, isn't he? Isn't it funny? You never think about monsters being in your house until it's time to go to bed. This isn't a ploy, by the way, parents. Let's stop telling them that it's some way to try to stay up late. 
Because you once were a child who when your parents told you to go to bed, you laid down, everything got quiet, you thought you heard things, right? I mean, come on. It's real. When you lay down, everything's louder. Everything's in the house. You can hear going on. The creeks, the pops, the pipes, and the water flowing through them all of a sudden become little gremlins running to attack you. We've all been there. Darkness brings out fear. I mean, at the haunted houses I've visited, never were the lights on. Right? I mean, just think about that. All of the and I don't watch scary movies, okay? And we'll talk about that sometime. I know I may, y'all may think I'm a chicken, but I just don't believe in it, okay? Uh, I think it's very uh, twisted. But anyway, um, in those movies, the worst scenes happen when? At night, in the dark. We're all afraid. Ladies, you've walked up to your door a thousand times. If it's during the day, you don't even think about a bad guy, do you? But come home at night, your husband's not home, your hands are full, and what's the first thing you think? Somebody's probably in the bushes. You know? Somebody's, somebody, I'm going to open the door. It's locked. All the doors are locked. All the windows are closed. But as soon as I open this door, a robber's inside waiting on me. He just magically, poof, got in your house, right? I mean, it's in the human mind. Darkness is something that makes us afraid. Light is always seen as a positive thing. I mean, you can have the worst storm in the history of America. It's ten times worse at night than it is in the day, right? <clears throat> I mean, I'm one of those storm watchers. My wife gets mad at me. Where do I go when the tornado's coming? Why, in the front yard. That's the only way sane people take a storm. you got to see it coming. Light brings hope. You know? Light brings hope. I never will forget the first time I read Dawn by... Uh, Weitzel, in his experience of the concentration camp, he captures in both night and dawn the effect of that happened in his own heart as he suffered through the long night of oppression in the, in the concentration camp during World War II as a Jew, watching his friends emaciate and die, watching his friends marched off to be gassed and people to be burned and the smell of burning flesh all around him what you find in there, if you're reading closely, is that it was, it was the daylight, the dawning of new days, one after another, that brought both fear for him because he knew any day I could die, but it also brought hope. The sun still was coming up every day. God, though he wasn't a believer, what it, God, in his later years, he would say, God is, is still continuing to rule. The sun is continuing to rise. Even in the worst of situations, humans look for the daylight. Humans look for the hope that day brings. If you've ever been sick, really sick, deathly sick, it always seems to get worse at night and better in the daylight. I mean, it just does. So this idea of darkness and light is in our speech. The dad tells his son, and we're going to find, that his way, if he follows the way of instruction, will be like dawning daylight. But if he goes down the path of the unrighteous and the wicked, he will be filled with darkness. First of all, in verses 10 through 13, he says, we must choose the way of wisdom. Now, I get that idea of choosing from verse 10, except, the word except, in the Hebrew it indicates that one is faced with a decision. 
That you, you, you can do what you're being told or you cannot do what you're being told. You must accept the way of wisdom. You must accept the, the instruction of the Father. This is a very, uh, very uh, uh, human experience that we have as parents. And if you aren't a parent yet, you will have this. That you come face to face with the reality that you can do everything within your power. You can teach a child anything and everything. And yet, at 18 or 16 or 21, they're going to make a choice. They're either going to learn and listen or they're going to reject and go their own way. And that's what the, the Father is really saying in verse 10. Accept my words that your years may be many. Choose, he's telling his son, choose what I've taught you. Accept what I've taught you. Believe what I've taught you. Embody what I've given you. And you will live a long life. Notice he continues to, uh, in verse 11, to tease this out by putting it in a metaphor of a journey. The path of wisdom. What is the way of wisdom? And the path of, of, of uprightness. He says, my instructions are only valid for you. And they will only make your life long because they are the way, the way of wisdom. They are the path of uprightness. This is an encouragement to us as parents, isn't it? Dads, if you want to impact the generations that are coming, you will have to lead them in the path of uprightness. You can't lead them to the path of uprightness while you go down the path of wickedness. You cannot do it. You, so my, my instruction to us as dads is we must first choose the way of uprightness. We must first choose the way of wisdom. That's something for dads and for moms to do and to commit to. And children... You must choose to follow them in these paths. Be sure of this, parents. As our, our speech tells us, you are leading your children. There are no parents who are not leading their children. Even bad parents are leading their children. And this instructive phrase for us here is, Listen, son. I've patterned for you. I have lived for you an upright and a wise life. Now you choose my way. If you do that, you will live long. It's a beautiful promise that holds in it the hope of a life. But we have to be careful because it almost can slide by us. We start thinking in terms of only physical living. And I do believe it has a physical implication. Verse 1. Hear, my son, and accept my words that your years, the years of your life may be many. There is a hint there from Solomon to his son that if you, son, go the way I've trained you, you will live long. You will Generally, this is true, right? I mean, even a pagan like Benjamin Franklin, a non-believer, can leave us with a nugget of wisdom. If you choose wisely, many of his little sayings were just wise sayings. If you choose wisely to rest, to eat well, to, to uh, balance your life pursuits, to, uh, to make prioritized decisions in life, you'll have a long life. Franklin did. You know, it's not a promise of everybody that does this will live long lives. Plenty of good lives have been snuffed out in the middle of their prime. But in general, but there's something deeper here too. 
Look at the way he weaves this together, and we'll, we'll see this in this whole, in this whole section in, in Proverbs 4. Look what he does. He says, if you choose to follow my words, you will have many years of life. Now, what are his instructions? The way of wisdom and the path of uprightness. If you follow this, you will not, in verse 12, have your steps hindered or hampered. You will not stumble. You will be, in a, in a way, you will, you will be able to continue on your path of life if you follow my instruction. You will have long years if you follow my instruction. You still kind of have the feeling that he's talking about physical life, but notice how in verse 11 and verse 12, he has subtly shifted. It's not just practical things that he's speaking about. There's something deeper here. The paths of uprightness. The paths of uprightness. So we're choosing the way of wisdom. We're choosing the godly wisdom that has been passed down to us. It gives us many years of life, yes. But there's something deeper. Hold that thought. We, 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 want, to, uh, we want to explore that a little deeper. But I just want to alert you to the fact that he's not simply talking about physical life. He's talking about something much deeper. Now the second thing we see in this passage is that we must reject the way of evil. Verses 14, uh, 15, 16, and then verse 17 give us the way of evil. So here in verse 14 he says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Follow my instruction, but don't go the way of the wicked. Don't, he says, walk in the way of the evil. Why? Why? Because we're going to see later that their way is in darkness... And it leads them into stumbling. Verses 18 and 19. So, you're to reject the way of the wicked. You're to not go the way of the evil one. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Every one of us, no matter our age, no matter our standing, no matter our background, has a choice to make. Will you go the way of the wise? Or will you go the way of the evil? The way of the wicked. Every one of us faces that. We face it not just once in life, but over and over and over again. Some of you are consistently choosing the way of the wicked. Be sure to know that it will lead to your destruction. You may pull the wool over my eyes and over your wife's eyes, or over your husband's eyes, your parents' eyes for a short time. Maybe for a lifetime. But be certain of this, your way, if it continues on the way of the evil, will lead to destruction. This father's warning his son that if he doesn't make the right choice, something weighty hangs in the balance. We're to run from, we're to avoid, we're to turn our backs on the way of the evil. Why? Because they can't sleep. Look what he's saying in verse 16. They can't even rest until they've done wrong. You ever been, you ever been there? Let's just be honest. You ever been there where you're bound and determined before this day is over to do what you know is not right? Certainly, we've all been there at different times, right? We've all been there. That's a very real phenomenon that we all face. Like, before this day is over, I will choose to commit a, a, a sexually impure act. Many of us have been there. 
Many of us were there this week. Or you're set on it. You've determined in your mind. Notice that it's not just something passive that the evil are doing. The, e- the evil people are doing. It's not just something passive. It's not something happening to them. They've chosen to go down the path of wickedness. And by their choice now, they can't even rest until they do wrong. They can't sleep unless they've called someone else to go with them. That's, an, that's, a, that's a very real thing. Listen. Some of you this week made the choice. It may have been something very mundane. But you made the choice to cheat your boss out of time that he was owed. You're on the clock. You know you have responsibilities. You have objectives. You have been given and entrusted great responsibility. And yet you said, you determined in your heart, I will not do it. It can be that simple. Children, it can be as simple as, I choose today not at school to listen to the instruction of my teachers. I've just made the decision. That ever happened to any of you children? And when that happens, you just say in your little mind, I'm going to get Johnny to do it with me. Insert your friend's name, okay? Mine was Alfonso. When I determined in my mind to do bad in elementary school, I was not going to rest until Alfonso decided to do the same bad thing I did. Whether it was cheating on a speed drill. Yeah, we both did and we both got caught. Or whether it was not obeying the simple instructions at lunch, at the lunchroom table. Whatever it was, wickedness loves company. Wickedness loves company. And this father is saying, listen, you choose my way, son. If you choose the way of the evil, be sure that it will destroy you. One way it will destroy you is you will take others with you or they will take you with them to accomplish their evil. You will find that your life pattern, here we see it in verse 15 and 16, that the life pattern becomes so overwhelming that we can't even carry out the basic rest needed without doing wrong. This is a life characterized not by making mistakes, but by willfully choosing to disobey the wisdom we find in the Scripture. So we have to choose the way of wisdom and we have to reject the way of evil. You don't passively do either. You can't passively accept the the gospel. You can't passively accept the wise counsel of your teachers. You can't passively reject the evil around you. You can't passively make the decision to not sin. It's an active pursuit. It's always that way in the scripture. It's active, never passive. I told someone this week, there's, it was in Bible study, and we said, we came to this uh, understanding that life is not, you cannot kick it in neutral and sit still in life. It doesn't happen. That's what this dad's saying. Son, you either choose the way of the wise or you choose the way of the evil. You can't be passive. Dads, some of us are very passive in our homes. We're living lives of passivity. Be certain of this, your children are learning that from you. And they will live that way. They won't lead their wives when the men, the young men we're raising won't lead our wives unless they see us leading. They won't serve their children because they don't see us serve. 
They will, they will cheat their bosses because we brag about cheating our bosses. They will cheat on their taxes because we laugh at getting through and creating our little loopholes to get around taxes. Everything we do is not passive. It is active. And this speech tells us, this is the father to his son, this life is lived actively. You're guilty under the weight of the law, not because you sat by and it happened to you, but because you chose it, this father says. So choose the way of wisdom, the path of uprightness. Reject, the second thing is to reject the way of the evil. Third, we must walk in the light of the gospel. Verse 18. But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn. I brought up the fact that the long life statement had more to it than physical life, and now we see it does. The path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of darkness is deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. In this passage, we find the gospel in the light of the way of wisdom, we find the gospel. What is it that makes the way of wisdom shine brighter and brighter and brighter until full dawn? Because in the old covenant, the light of the gospel was shining. And it started like a flashlight. It moved until the moon of John the Baptist. And when Christ came onto the scene, when he was revealed as the light of the world... It broke into full day. What Solomon is looking for down the path of wisdom and seeing is the person of Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the promised one. You see, you either choose actively to go towards Christ or you choose actively to go the way of the wicked away from Him. Don't be surprised that the farther you go down the path of wickedness, the less you see Jesus. The less you recognize God the less you submit your will to any good, the more dark you become. I, I think of it like when the sun first goes down. As a hunter, somebody spent a lot of time in the woods. <clears throat> I know many of you have done the same thing. You know, the sun starts to go down, and you're, you're in your stand, and it's, it's dark. But then you get, down out, you get that down out of the height of that tree, and you're, you're down on the ground now, and it's darker, right? And the longer you're in the woods, the darker it gets. It's like the light by, by, by 30, 45 minutes to an hour after dark, it's just pitch dark. You're in the woods. You turn your lights off. There's nothing. Your, your eye can't pick up any light. That's how some of your lives are right now. You chose the way of the wicked. You thought for one day, one event, one moment. But now you're moments and days and years down the path of wickedness. And you can't even begin to find the light of the gospel. Is there a degree of lostness in the Bible? Yes and no. No in the sense that if, if you're lost, you're lost. I mean, if you don't have Christ, you're going to go to hell. But in the Old Testament, as an example, if you were in Israel, you were surrounded by the light of God. You were surrounded by the promise of the Messiah. If you were in a foreign country like Babylon, you didn't have that light. You were further away from it. And so in that degree, yes, 
there is degree of darkness. I mean, it's dark here. We have evil that surrounds us here. But if you've ever spent time in a country that is not very evangelized, you will see it's not nearly as dark here as it is there. Why? Because of the proximity to the light. You're going to find in your life, this is what this dad's saying, son, you're going to find in your life that if you choose the way of the wicked, it's going to lead you into utter darkness. Oh, it may start out that it's just kind of dark. You can still see the light, but the further you go, the, the harder it will be. The more darkness will surround you and invade you until you're in utter darkness. Now, I, say, I keep bringing it up, but I, I just want you to think with me. How does this apply to the gospel? And that's really where I want to end the sermon. Is How does this apply to the gospel? That the light is dawning in the way of wisdom, and the darkness is becoming increasingly dark in the way of the wicked. Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 1. Because, see, I think it's John's uh, gospel that gives to us more clearly than anything Anywhere else in Scripture, the idea that is, is in Proverbs chapter 4. John takes this idea of lightness and darkness, just like we see it here in Proverbs 4, and he applies it to the gospel. And I want to do that quickly with you. What, we have to choose the way of godly wisdom. We have to reject the way of evil. We must, we must choose to live our life in the light of the gospel. John chapter 1, verse 6. <clears throat> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness. A witness of what? I called him a moon. That's what Jesus said. He was a moon shining in the darkness. But now the light has come. The sun has come. Look what it says. He came to bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now, the, why, why is John the moon? What, what about the moon is so amazing? Does the moon, children in science, did you learn this? Does the moon project light? Does the moon generate and project light? What do you think? You got a 50% chance. No, Noah says, no, you're right, son. It doesn't. What does the moon do? It reflects the light. That's exactly right. It reflects light. So when God calls John the Baptist a moon, what he's saying, children, is that John simply reflected the light of the sun, Jesus Christ. The S-U-N and the S-O-N, right? All the moon does is reflect light generated from somewhere else. Now, John... Picking up on this idea from Proverbs 4 says, the light came. All John did was bear witness, reflect the light. Look what it says in verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Jesus is this true light. He is truly the way of wisdom. And He's coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. So when the world had the chance to choose the way of light, what did it choose? Darkness. Why should I listen to a sermon about Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 19? Because it might save you from the mistake the whole world has made, and that is it rejected the light. It rejected the light. The true light has come. His name is Jesus Christ. And now, in rejecting that light, 
which came, what happens? Verse 11, he came to his own. He came to the Jews. He came to Israel. And his own people did not receive him. All all the people in the world who should have received him, the Jews should have received him, but they rejected him. They didn't recognize him as the light of the world. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here in this first chapter, John captures the idea of Proverbs. He says, the light brings you life and darkness brings you death. If you reject the light of Jesus Christ, know this, you are rejecting the only hope you have to life, to long life. If you do not accept Him as the light of the world, you will walk in utter darkness. If you walk away, there's no hope. Christian, what has happened to you is not by your own doing, but God willed you to recognize the light. He gave you eyes to see. Now, what is our objective as Christians? To continue on the way of wisdom and walk in this light that we might reflect it to all those around us. We are simply reflectors of the light and the glory of Jesus Christ. That's all we're called to be. In that we find encouragement. We're not creators. We're reflectors. Christ is the creator. Christ is the light. Christ is the glory of the gospel. And we have received that because God has given us eyes to see the light. And now we simply reflect that to others. We live a life of reflecting. But John doesn't stop in John 1 with this idea. Look in John chapter 3. John 3, the most famous verse in the Bible, in in some people's minds, verse 16. But nobody ever reads beyond that, or not many people do. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. How do you choose the way of, the, of wisdom? How do you choose the way of light? You, you believe in the Son. You believe in the light. You choose His way. Verse 16, verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes, and see, I I believe verse 16, I know it's in red, but I've come to question whether that is Jesus speaking or John commentating on Jesus' speech, which I think may have ended in verse 15. So I think we may have John here commentating on Jesus' speech to Nicodemus. I'm not certain of that, but it's possible It makes sense because John's the one who picks up this idea. Now, Jesus obviously could have said it also because the idea resides in him. But anyway, as we look at this passage, we're seeing Proverbs 4. If you choose the way of wisdom, you will choose Jesus Christ, and therefore your light will be full of life. Your, Your life will be full of light, and you will live eternally. Not just many years on this earth, but for many years, exceedingly great years in eternity. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 19, what does he say? And this is the judgment. What is the judgment? The light 
has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light. It's active. It's always active. Evil is active. It is not passive. It does not happen from outside. It comes from within us. We love the evil darkness that surrounds us. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. He doesn't sleep until he's set himself on wickedness and he doesn't slumber until he's brought others into his darkness with him. This is the path of the wicked. This is the path of the darkness. Just know if you choose that path, it will become exceedingly worse for you. But if you choose the way of wisdom, if you accept Jesus Christ, if you believe today, you will be continuing a path towards the light and your, light will be, your life will become increasingly filled with this glorious light of the gospel. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. What a beautiful way to describe the way of wisdom. Hey, if you're doing the way of wisdom, if you're living in the way of wisdom, you're not afraid of the darkness. You're walking in the light. Jesus continues in John, continues to bring this out. Last place I want to take you in John's Gospel is John 8. Jesus brings it out here. This is a speech from Jesus. Standing in the temple courtyard, he says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, What? I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What Solomon's telling his son is, Son, listen to me. All that I've taught you can be summed up in choosing to go towards Christ can be summed up the way of the wisdom in this follow Christ Jesus says if you follow me you will never be in the darkness we call this there are no boogeymen children there are no boogeymen there's no such thing when you follow the way of Christ you're walking in the light Jesus encourages us to come to him Jesus defines for us the light of wisdom. It's Him. It's found in Him. So to end, I just would say to you, you have a clear choice. You will either walk in the way of the light by believing in the Son who is the light, or you will reject Him and you will go increasingly into the darkness. When you get there, understand you will find no rest until you have accomplished your wickedness and you have brought others down with you. Some of you dads need to really believe that's true. Because I promise, when you're an old man and you see your children's lives in shambles because you rejected the gospel, it will weigh heavy on your soul. Choose Christ. Dad, the best thing you can do to be a leader in your home is consistently and daily choose Christ. And do it in their view. That everyone might see that your work is done in God. Don't hide it from them. We sing it all the time, don't we, to our children? I know I do. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? What does it say? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Dads, moms, but dads particularly, 
Let your light shine on the way of Christ. As you're pursuing Christ, reflect him in such a way that your children see it and want to follow you. If you're a dad in here and you don't have Christ, believe in him today. You can do all the training and all the correction you want to do. If you don't have him and you're not reflecting him, in the end, your life will be a disaster. Your life will be a wreck. And it might be the ruin of your family. The destruction of your children. Let's pray. Father, these are real matters. This is real theology.